0: listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit HarvestKelowna.ca. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Wow. What a privilege and what an honor for Shirley and me to be here this morning to spend this time with you and to um, look forward to the new year before us. As I woke up at 6 o'clock this morning, and I began to think of what was ahead, and it hit me. I've done this for 61 and a half years. And uh, I used to have waves, now all I got left is the beach. And um, some of you are concerned about your hairdo. I'm just trying to make my hair do. The last time I went for a haircut, I asked her for an afro. And she kind of looked at me wondering, what, what am I going to do with this guy? But here we are. And um, you know what? I still tremble every time I have the privilege of doing this. My greatest fear is not, are you going to like it? But is God going to like it? That's the important thing. And if God is honored and if we proclaim His word and trust His power and His anointing, then we can expect great things even this day. Now, this morning, I'd like us to begin with imagining that you have invited me over to your home to spend some time with your family in your living room. Yes. The fire is crackling in your fireplace. The Christmas decorations are still up. The puzzle is only half finished. But here we are together. And you know that I'm 82 years old. And um, you also know, probably you don't, that I've been married for 60 years to the same woman, and she's sitting right over there. And you know all that about me. And you know that I've been in ministry for 61 plus years. In fact, it's uh, Meldon's wife's family that was in the church that was the very first church that I pastored in R. Lee, Saskatchewan. So I've known her. No, not her. She isn't this old. Her sister. She wasn't even born when, when I was there. And so here we are, and many of you know that my wife Shirley has just published a book entitled, No Pretending, The Honest Journey of a Pastor's Wife. And when Shirley said, I do to me in marriage right here in Kelowna 60 years ago, She said, not only do I do to be your wife, but I do to be a pastor's wife. So she's had the same pastor for 61 years and can't change. And to write a book with not only that title, but the power of honesty. And so uh, this book has been very well received and... uh, and very well uh, reviewed at Amazon. In fact, uh, Shirley has some copies. And then she will be in the, in the hallway on the way out when you leave. And if you have an interest in it, and you want to find out a little bit more what it's like and to have a journey of a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, a lot of excitement, but also a lot of pain, including a lot of physical stuff. She's the longest surviving cancer patient In North America that had the kind of cancer that she had that had spread to the extent that it spread and that's 48 years ago and she's symptom-free today So we've lived with a big C word for 48 years and never know whether this has come because it was melanoma and uh, so the journey It's been an exciting one. It'll be available for those that might want to get their own copy. Maybe even extra copies for others that you know of who would benefit. Because the reason, one of the reasons it's been so popular is because the title is not only a title, it's real. And honesty begets honesty. Trust begets trust. You see, arguments can be refuted, but... Life's experiences cannot be refuted. Now, my question this morning to you is, of all the gifts that you received this Christmas, did you get any that have eternal value? Any that will last beyond your lifetime? Because we are living in turbulent times. I don't have to say that too too loudly because we all know that we're living in turbulent times. With violent weather globally, and it was just a little over a week ago, the violent storm down in the Fraser Valley, even the White Rock Pier couldn't stand that storm. The boat's anchors would not hold. And so we're living in those kind of times. The raging fires in California and right here in British Columbia, which destroyed thousands of homes. But on a more personal level, Shirley and I are finding we're getting more and more calls and emails reporting devastating health issues on the part of our friends. All ages. One email said we're going to a funeral of a two-month-old baby. And then others that are writing further stories, stage 4 cancer, others with mysterious blood infections, others with uncertain prognosis, awaiting biopsy reports. And then there are the relational pains. One dear friend wrote to say, three of my four kids got divorced this year alone. And that relational, that hurts in some ways it's almost worse than a death because the pain keeps living and it keeps affecting the kids and all of that type of stuff going on and uh, then when Shirley and I tell people of our 60th wedding anniversary just this this August with our family together immediately they take a second look 60 years wow Wow, what's your secret? What's your secret? Others just kind of look at you as if you're from some other planet. But there is an amazing response. that, That this is still happening? That people still, their marriages last? And so, when you tell people about that, We are all desperate for anchors that hold and vows that last. Because if you have anchors that hold, it will result in your vows lasting. That's important to know as well. So is there any hope for this hopeless, hate-filled, polarized world? And by the way, I have put the five anchors that I'll be talking about on this card. And I'll be in the foyer on the way out, on your way out this morning, and have a card available like this that you can take home for yourself to consider these five anchors that will hold. There's a lifetime guarantee to them from the word of God. And so that will be an option for you to, to do that. And, and uh, we know that you will be blessed through that as well. So we are all desperate for anchors that hold and vows that last. So is there any hope? Just three weeks ago, Shirley and I decided to take some R&R. You know, when you're 82, you need some of that type of stuff as well. So we headed for Victoria. We took a plane. We flew to Victoria and spent six days in a VRBO. Vacation by owner, vacation building by owner. And so here we were, we're five or six days, and we decided to make it not only physically R&R, but psychologically and spiritually. So we had lots of rest, lots of reading, lots of meditating, lots of writing. And by the way, we had a computer fast. That was a blessing. And when we finished the week and came home and watched the news and same old, same old, still there. But in the midst of all of this, I was seeing firsthand just what a powerful impact Shirley's book was having in many, many lives all the way around the world because it's on Amazon and and Kindle. People can get it that way. And I read... Just one brief quote from what I wrote in endorsing this book at the the very back page. After 60 years of marriage to this radiant, octogenarian saint of God, I can verify that the title of this book, No Pretending, is for real. Her beautiful, messy, redemptive story is worth the read you will discover that forgiveness and a loving heart can heal the deepest wounds. So if you're wounded here today in relationship or whatever it is, or physical stuff, you're going to find some hope and some help in your life as well. Because if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. And the question that I kept asking and keep asking, why is it? Why, Lord? Why us? Why should we be still so fulfilled and so in love with each other and so excited about the future at 82? She gave me a plaque for our 50th anniversary. We have it right above our fireplace that says, Grow old with me. The best is yet to be. And then the 60th anniversary, we had that same kind of token. And and not only that, we decided that... uh, not only grow old with me the best, but let's grow old without growing cold. So you ask, are there certain anchors of the soul that hold and are, are can best be capsulized in a mutual our mutual 82-year sojourn of life and ministry, and we say a solid yes to you. A solid yes. We strongly recommend every one of these five, and we're going to look at them individually. And by the way, they are not just uh, some kind of uh, one-liners for positive thinkers, but they are powerful, practical, biblical principles rooted in Scripture, because with God, facts are facts, and more than that, promises are promises. So here is anchor number one, anchor number one. Only the Word, and by the way, the scriptures that I will be quoting are from the voice translation, so they will be up there on the screen as well as I think they will be. So, only the Word of God and the souls of people are eternal. Everything else is going to pass away. Only the Word of God and the souls of people, we will all spend eternity somewhere. And by the way, there's only two options. There's only two options. We will all spend eternity somewhere. You have to get your ticket in advance. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, we read, nothing lasts except the word of our God will stand forever. And when you drive onto the Briarcrest Bible College campus, a great big sign, that scripture is written right there at the very entrance of that school where Shirley and I both graduated from. The word of our God will stand forever. And what a blessing. And then in John chapter 11, verse 26, everyone who lives and believes in me will never truly die because they will have everlasting life. And that's for real. Jesus spoke those words in a cemetery when his wonderful friend had died. And Jesus went and he did two things. He not only wept, but he gave them hope. And that's what Christian the true Christian message is all about. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never truly die. Everlasting life is for real. And then that well-known verse in John 3:16. 3, 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only son Jesus so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction but will have everlasting life. You have a choice, my friend. You have a choice. We will all last forever. Our souls will. And so that choice is ours. And only the truth will set you free. Truth hurts, but it also heals. So the question is: do you have a true North truth checker? A true North fact checker. So make a key question in life to be: is it biblical? Is it true to Scripture? Because I didn't write it, my friend. I'm just reporting it. I don't make the news. I report it. And that anchor will hold the Word of God, the Bible. And Billy Graham was known so much for that one statement again and again. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, only the Word of God and the souls of people are eternal. Anchor number two. Now, this is a tough one. Daily live a life of tender hearted repentance when you are in the wrong. And grant a soft hearted forgiveness when you are wronged. When somebody else does something wrong to you. And you need both. We do. We need repentance that's tender-hearted when I'm in the wrong, and I grant a soft forgiveness when I'm wrong. This is so rare because it's so hard, and because we need both repentance and forgiveness. Without that, there can be no true reconciliation. It only takes one person to forgive, but it takes two or more to reconcile. So now you can forgive, Without getting reconciled. Because if you don't forgive, then you become bitter. You become angry. You become revengeful. So that's why it is so rare and so challenging. So take ownership of your own stuff without projecting blame to the other party. Because you're not responsible for their wrong. They are. And nobody's going to get away with anything. God is a just God. Be sure your sin will find you out. God is a just God. And never include a but or an if in your apology. Because both buts and ifs are big erasers. They will erase everything you've just said. I'm sorry, but you're wrong too. When are you gonna come crawling to me? When are you gonna take ownership of your own stuff? And if you don't ask my forgiveness and you don't admit you're wrong, then I'm not responsible for uh, any reconciliation. Because I, you know, most apologies that you hear today are not apologies at all. If a person says, if I have done something to offend you, I'm sorry. Don't call that an apology. Because the if at the very beginning of that sentence nullified what follows. If I did something, yeah, you're just so cotton-pick and touchy. If you weren't just so sensitive all the time, and don't take everything personally. Folks, if you put an if in front of an apology, don't call it an apology. Most of the political apologies, headlined, he and so-and-so apologized before parliament. And it's always after they got caught. And that, so that's not an apology. That's not a reconciliation at all. And so when uh, we read in Acts chapter 24, verse 16, and by the way, the best way to apologize is to simply use the words, I was wrong, and preferably to name where you were wrong, and will you forgive me? Without any kind of uh, explanation beyond that. Because Acts 24, verse 16, these words, I always do my best, said Paul, to live with a clear conscience toward God and all people. Wow. If every marriage put the right focus on both repentance and forgiveness, genuine we would have a lot less divorces. A couple that we got to know real well up at Whitehorse in the Yukon that we were in charge of a family life conference that we we taught up there. When it was all over, they came to us. Both of them, this was their second marriage. And they had a 12-year-old daughter from the second marriage. So they had his, hers, and ours. And they'd been married. And they said to me, now, we're going to tell you a little bit of our story. You can tell this story wherever you are. You can use our names if you want to, because it's real. They said, if we had worked as hard on our first marriage as we've had to work on our second marriage after the divorce, now the remarriage, we would have had a pretty good first marriage. Because it takes at least 14 years in a marriage to be able to get totally below the surface which is other. That dear lady, my wife Shirley, doesn't let me get away with anything. And I don't let her get away with anything. And it's not always the She's English, and she can be so stubborn. I'm, I'm German, Dutch, old colony, men, and I couldn't speak a word of English when I was first grade. Born in a log cabin in southeastern Manitoba. And she was born in a rather affluent family, so poverty meets wealth. Most of that didn't end up getting much in the end, but that's okay. But here we were, and you know the real problem, we still have arguments even after 60 years. She's still wrong. No, not necessarily. See, the problem is that we're both in love with the same man. We're both in love with the same woman. We both have as a theme song, let's do it my way. And when that happens, marriage is the only game in town where you either both win or you both lose. And so when you work at it from the standpoint of taking ownership of your own stuff, And apologizing genuinely to her without any qualifications. And then if she too is sensitive to God's spirit and also wants to genuinely forgive and then take ownership of... Forgiveness doesn't make sense, folks, but it works. It works. It's real. It's powerful. And it's important. And so there's no choice. You see, what happens is we are we make it makes it so hard because we've got to start this kind of relationship at home with your spouse and your kids so why is it so hard it's so hard because we're all born with a tight fist wanting control babies are not born humble they're not born humble We all die with open hands of surrender, and we have no choice at that point. Remember, a wise person is one who has learned how to learn, and he never stops learning. Boy, have I had to learn stuff, and I was the one that had to learn more than my wife did. I had a very simplistic approach. To problems uh, in marriages in one hand, Just, hey, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. I've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Word of God. Take these two verses and call me in the morning. Life isn't that simple. And so to keep working at it. And it's never easy. It's never easy. So a wise person is one who has learned how to learn. And never stops learning. I say frequently, the moment I quit learning, I die. And to say to teenagers, my teenage grandkids, just this Christmas, you know, I've learned so much from you guys today. And I'm supposed to be one that's wise, that knows everything at 82. But if I don't learn from you, then I won't have a relationship with you. That's why we flew down to Oklahoma. The two of us had never been at a college football game before. And to be there with our grandkids, who were both students at this university, and the Sooners were playing football. And here we were, these some Canadians didn't know the rules of football or anything. But you know what happened was, we took an interest in our grandkids' interest, and so What happens then, this whole matter of having respect and care for one another and listen to one another is when you love one another at their level. We don't have to love their style of music. We can still love them. And I love that I've been able to worship more freely with some of the new modern music than I've been even... I love the old hymns. I love them all. But God looks at the heart and looks at the worship that is real. And to find reality there so keep asking a lot of questions and a key question for building lasting relationships is is he is she teachable is he is she broken do they have the character quality of a soft heart and when that's the case they are going to be reliable friends So this whole challenge, this this anchor of having a proper forgiveness and a proper repentance, starting off with repentance and then forgiveness. Then character, there, number three, is important as well. This is an anchor. Character is best built at Payne University. Character is best built at Payne University. Romans 5 Verse 3 and 4, we know that when we suffer, we develop endurance, which shapes our character. I wish this were not true. I, people learn far more from your scars than your trophies. If you've won all kinds of trophies, you've written all kinds of books, you've done all kinds of stuff that's in the media, but you don't have a close walk with god and then you face some painful times and so to jesus never sinned but he suffered a lot do you ever think of that jesus never sinned but he suffered a lot he grew in his whole confidence with man as well as with god through the things that he suffered And he is called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And he learned that firsthand experience with the death of his friend Lazarus. He wept with them as a family. And when you read the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That tells you as to just exactly what kind of a God we have. He weeps with those that weep. He rejoices with those that rejoice. And he stood there and he wept with Mary and Martha, who just accused him. He was four days late, but he was still on time. Because he's not on their schedule. He's not on their time. We're all invincible until our time is up. Surely now every morning we pray that to God. Lord, this day is before us. This is the only day we have. This may be the last time I'll ever preach. So these may be my last words. I don't know that. But I'm fine with that. That's okay. Because my, God's calendar is already loaded. It's already there. He knows exactly. I don't want to live a minute longer than God wants me to live. Because the moment, I, Paul says, as long as it's needful for me to remain, I will remain. If I'm just a negative old husband, I would rather God take me out of here. And so would you. But if I have something positive to contribute to younger lives, I often say, if I can get an 11 year old to sit and listen and to glean something from a sermon, then I can get through to the 90 year old as well. Maybe easier to the 11 year old than the stubborn 90 year old. Because you generally die the way you've lived. If you've been a stubborn old cooch, you'd probably die. They put you. But the amazing, have you ever noticed only good people die? Something happens at the funeral home. I, I don't know that. But boy, everybody's in motorcycle heaven, everybody's in you know, whatever heaven it is. More lies are told at funerals than almost anywhere else. The one thing I'm concerned is that people not tell lies about me at my funeral, but they'd be able to tell the truth. He was not a perfect man, but he kept learning. He kept repenting. A dear friend, when I would ask, How are you doing? he said, I'm repenting and rejoicing. That's a good balance. That's a good balance. So character is best built at Payne University. And uh, we had met dear Dr. John Walbert, the former president of Dallas Seminary, spoke at our church in Michigan. And the weekend weekend before, no, the weekend he was there at our church, there was a tragic car accident right at the corner of Hoover and 11 Mile. And that's exactly where the church was. Somebody ran a red light, and a 19-year-old young man uh, scheduled to leave for a Christian college on Monday, and this was Sunday. He had the green light, and the red light driver drove through that red light and smashed into him and killed him instantly. And here was Dr. Walvert sitting in our living room drinking this all in, thinking of his own family. They had four sons, four sons. The oldest son has two doctorates, very much involved in spiritual leadership and in training and all of that. The next two boys were both mentally handicapped to the point they could not even stay at home with mom and dad, they had to be institutionalized. And then the fourth boy went on to get his MD as a medical doctor. Seven days after he got his M.D. driving home from the hospital, somebody crossed the center median and smashed into his car and killed him instantly. And here is this father three years later sitting in our living room crying. Crying. He was hurting. Death is always an enemy. Grief is always painful. For Christians, the more you've loved, the more you lose. And you've risked loving. And then you lose and you miss them. And if there are I, I need so much emphasis in funerals. Now. No tears in my funeral. We call it a celebration of life. Our, our son-in-law says, if your daughter, my wife, ever dies prematurely, I'm sure not going to have them sing the hallelujah chorus at her funeral. I'm going to hire professional mourners, and we're going to weep and wail. That's okay. God's all right with grief. There's, it is Christian to grieve. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to have tears. And, to, and often I, when I've been at a funeral, people, and I was at a very sorrowful funeral. I don't know. I can't look in the heart. Just because there are smiles, grief is very private, very personal, very real. Because grief... It's a loss that only God can heal. But love leaves a memory that nobody can steal. So here's Walward. And he was asked, I was asked him, would you like to go? Visit? This was a Christian family that lost their only son. They were from another church. Would you want to go over to that household, that family? You've been through some of this stuff. And maybe you can comfort them. And he said, yes, I'd like to go. He came back, and when he came back to her home, I said, were you able to be of some help to them? He said, I have no idea. I just wept with him. Wasn't anything I could say. I just wept with him. And so to have the reality of a hope in the midst of pain university that God has in mind for us, and remember this verse in Romans 8, from the from the uh The uh, translation that, that I've been using God is able to orchestrate everything, to work towards something good and beautiful when we love Him and accept His invitation to live according to His plan. Yes, 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 God's plan. Embrace pain and grow through it, and then remember. I had never heard this term before. Just a a couple of days ago, our dear friends in Campbell River, she talked about God and his meticulous sovereignty. Meticulous. Every detail, every step, every heartbeat, every issue. He's able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good, something good. And if you read Shirley's book, you'll find so much pain, but also so much redemption and so much victory. You'll discover that forgiveness and a loving heart can heal the deepest wounds. He is the God of the mountains, but he's also the God of the valley. Number four, we're all born with a deep appreciation to be appreciated. We love to be praised. We love to be honored. Luke three twenty-two. You are my beloved son, God speaking. In you I take great delight. Wow. Don't you love hearing those words from your dad, from your mom, from your school teachers? Don't you? The three basic needs of mankind are to be loved, to be appreciated, and to be accepted. I want to be known as a refresher, not a depleter. We struggle with this affirmation syndrome, especially when it's been lacking in your home growing up. Because words do wound. They do. Kids do remember what was said to them by their parents or their teachers. And if they hear the words, oh, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never amount to anything. You're just a stupid kid. You know what happens? That drives those same kids to seek affirmation from the wrong crowd. Because they need affirmation. And if they don't get it at home, I'm going to get it somewhere. And so I'm going to pick some wrong friends that want me to do some wrong things. And I will do it because I get affirmation. Hey, hey, drink this or smoke this or whatever that. And you say, and you blame all the problem on your kids' friends. They chose those friends. And one of the reasons they chose, maybe because they didn't get affirmed when they were younger, and now they're looking for affirmation at any price. That isn't what you want. Not at all. And what happens is... You wear your cup of affirmation on your sleeve and looking for that all the time. Dear pastor, the former pastor of the uh, Big Alliance Church in White Rock, I heard him tell this story. He said, I walked through several years of deep depression. And I I went to a psychiatrist a, a couple of times a week. Nobody in the church knew about it. And I was grocery shopping one day, and, and I was walking through all this stuff. And then, like usual, I chose the wrong lane, the long line, the waiting. And, and all this was, was going on. And, and then I decided, well, maybe they've got some CDs here that I can take. And, or he got into the car, and he opened his glove compartment and looked for this. And the only CDs were there were just, just some old hymns. And then he decided to put one in anyhow. And as he was driving home from the grocery store, that old hymn talked about, he is mine and I am his. And he broke. He broke. And he said, it all started because I never my dad was a famous evangelistic pastor in England. And I I was looking for affirmation wherever I was going. And that cup has a bottom that's broken. All those affirmations are very, very weak, and they just fall through. And I was needing that. And when I had to finally realize that God is the only one that can be my ultimate affirmer and make it stick. And so affirmation is so key. And then finally, the most powerful idea to change the world is unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love. Love changes lives, folks. Love changes lives. God so loved the world. And then that verse from Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. Love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love others in the same way. You have to, win people to yourself... Before you can win them to your Jesus. The best argument for Christianity is Christians. And the worst argument is also Christians. If you live hypocritically. What you say. And what you live doesn't match. And you know who finds that out the earliest? Your kids are God's little spies. They know whether you cheat on your taxes. They know when you're renting some wrong movies and stuff like that. They know that. And so, the Christian argument of Christians, their joy, their calm certainty, their servant attitude. So true heavenly peace that we've been singing about at Christmas is the desire of every human heart, folks. It is. So I close with this statement Be a peacemaker, not a revenge taker. Be a peacemaker. Because you'll choose either peace or revenge. You'll choose either love or revenge. And revenge is what leads to terrorism. And we've got all the global wars going on because of man, fighting man because of revenge. You hurt me so many years ago, and I'm going to hurt you back. Be a peacemaker, not a revenge taker. So these five anchors. These five anchors, they will hold. They come with a lifetime guarantee, friend. Lifetime. And just capsulizing and see that on the screen. The anchor of God's word. The pure truth of God's word. The anchor of repentance and forgiveness. The anchor of suffering which builds character. The anchor of affirmation and Thanks. Seek to affirm, people. is very interesting as I drive through McDonald's often for a cup of coffee and, and uh, to just be able to look at the gal on the other side or the guy. Hey, I like your smile. Were you born with it? And especially if I have time to follow through with it, you know what? And they say, oh, no, I think I was a kind of a, you know, a crybaby. Like my wife said, our oldest son was a gift from heaven who didn't want to be on Earth. He was born colicky, and he was still colicky when he got to college. And it was only when God turned his heart around and he became one that chose to listen to God's voice and to have that life-changing love become a reality. And so the anchor of life-changing love, and we read in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these. Is love. So I will be in the foyer at the back of this of this auditorium, right after I pray, and Shirley will be there to make the, her book available if you choose to do that. That's entirely God's the salesman. We're just making it available to people, and you might even want to. You know, right now you're thinking of a pastor couple, or it's not just for past. We get more letters. For, there's hardly a day goes by that Shirley doesn't get. Some amazing calls from people because honesty begets honesty. And people feel safe. Those who get real get help. Those who don't get real leave unchanged. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for who you are. That you are the anchor that holds. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Oh, Father, we're so thankful for these solid anchors in this world of so much instability, so much anger, so much revenge, so much hatred, so much jealousy. Father, we ask somehow that the love of God would just pour through and that we would be instruments of your peace and your power and your joy, that we would choose to do it God's way and that our concerns... For this year before us, 2019, would be, I will take these five anchors as my goal, daily goal, to repeat them together with my spouse if I'm married or if I'm alone, to just realize these, are, these aren't things Pete made up. These are in the Word of God. This is Scripture. And we're grateful that you are the God with whom facts are facts and promises are promises. In your name we pray, amen and amen and amen.